Canons of Dort, first head of doctrine, Article 15 through 18, left alone the doctrine of reprobation, doctrine of reprobation. Well, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, you were saved because God loved you and chose you. You weren't saved because you were good or because you have faith. In fact, and listen very carefully, no one is saved by faith. You were saved by grace. Grace through faith. Faith were just the hands to receive what Christ offers. And even faith to receive what Christ offers was a gift of God. Faith did not originate in you. And then you have that objective and subjective assurance that you have received what Christ offers. What a blessing that is. But what about those who are not saved? The Bible teaches there are two types of election. Election to eternal life and election to eternal death. Election to death is called reprobation. And these two types of election, election to life and reprobation, are sometimes called double predestination. Hear about the second type of election today. And by the way, be very careful here because this doctrine can cause confusion if you don't understand it properly. Our headings today are three, reprobation, what is it? Second, reprobation, should you panic? And then third, reprobation, are Christian children reprobate since they don't have faith? We have to deal with that in Article 18. Our goals are that seeing the doctrine of reprobation, that you will love your election even more. And that you will labor for those who are still under the just condemnation of God. And maybe we can include there that you will praise God all the more for your election. Now this is long. Let me read it. Reprobation. What is it? Article 15 on reprobation says, Moreover, Holy Scripture most especially highlights this eternal and undeserved grace of our election and brings it out more clearly for us. In that, it further bears witness that not all people have been chosen, but that some have not been chosen or have been passed by in God's eternal election. Those, that is, concerning whom God, on the basis of God's entirely free, most just, irreproachable, and unchangeable good pleasure made the following decree to leave them in their common misery into which by their own fault they have plunged themselves. Not to grant them saving faith and the grace of conversion, but finally to condemn and eternally punish those who have been left in their own ways and under God's just judgment. Not only for their unbelief, but also for their other sins, in order to display divine justice. And this is the decree of reprobation, which does not at all make God the author of sin. That's a blasphemous thought, but rather it's fearful, irreproachable, 
just judge and avenger. That is Article 15, quite a mouthful, very well stated, but we'll explain it for those of us who need more explanation. God does not save all men, but he leaves some behind in their sins, passing over them. These are called reprobates. They won't be saved, not ever. But God did not block reprobates from being saved. So he's not the author of evil. He simply didn't help them. They're not saved because they live lives of sin. They love their sins. They do not have the slightest desire to leave their sins behind. And that's why they will spend eternity in hell. God is not the cause of their reprobation. It's their own fault. Their own choice. Now look at how this is taught in the scriptures. Since many people don't like this idea. And it really doesn't matter if you like this doctrine or not. If it's taught in the word of God. You must accept it. And by the way, when it's taught in the word of God, it's good for you. It always will lead for your good and for the glory of God. And you will see that. Let's read Revelation chapter 17, verse 8 together. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now, don't get hung up on all the beasts and things here. It's that part that is underlined in your notes that's important. There's some whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. That is election to death. That is called reprobation. Romans 9, 11 12 and 13 say together, For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Now Esau was hated because Esau was wicked. He rejected God in his life. He worshipped idols. He married multiple wicked women in opposition to what God said. His rejection was natural. And it was just for God to reject Esau. Now that doctrine seems hard. But it's only hard if you ignore God's justice and you think that man is not as sinful or as bad as he really is to think contrary is to have a false sense of god and his justice but look again first peter chapter 2 verse 8 together and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense 
they stumbled, being disobedient to the word, to which they also were appointed. Why did they stumble? They were disobedient to the word. They didn't want to obey. They didn't want to bow the knee to God. Yes, they were appointed, but that wasn't the reason they will go to hell. It's because they personally looked, evaluated, and said, I want to continue in my sin. To put it simply, troublemakers were appointed to be troublemakers, but they're condemned because they chose to be troublemakers. I hope that explains it a little bit. What are you, uh, on another way, I put it in an even simpler way here, appointment, ordination, and cause are two very, very different things. God appoints, ordains. Man is the cause of his troubles. So if you are sick, was that part of God's plan? Yes. But maybe you were sick because you were careless. Or maybe somebody else was careless. Ultimately, sickness is because of sin... There would be no sickness in this world if there were no sin. So the cause of your sickness is man, though God appointed that. And you say, how can those two things fit in my head? How could God ordain something and yet I be responsible for what I do? Well, it can't fit in your head. You try to put that in your head, it will explode. But that's the teaching of God's word, that both are true without God being the cause of sin. Now, our Arminian brothers are quick to attack this doctrine, claiming this doctrine makes God unfair or calloused. But reprobation is not unfair, and it's not callous. Reprobation is justice. The wicked are not condemned for their reprobation by God, but because of their sins. And if all men were innocent and God reprobated some, here's the difference, If all men were innocent and God reprobated some, that would be unfair. But all are what? All are guilty before God. None is on a neutral ground. So when God condemns someone who's reprobated and sends him to hell, that's justice. Because he inherited sins and he committed sins and brings judgment on his head. And this is why even babies can be justly condemned. Don't question God. Know your place. You must never accuse God of injustice. But more than that, you can get stuck there and say, I don't like that. Well, reprobation shows the greatness of God's mercy when he does save. What you have to think is, you deserve that as well. You deserve to be condemned. You deserve to go to hell for eternity. But God, in his mercy, says, I will punish someone else and not punish you the way you ought to be punished. And more than that, I will give you grace. I will count Jesus' life of obedience and his sacrifice on the cross as yours. That's a wonderful gift. And you really will only understand that gift when you understand what the reprobate deserves to have happened to him. Look at the details of this. Romans chapter 9, verse 20, 
through 23. We read together. But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory? So the question the Apostle Paul anticipated they would say is Isn't that unfair? How could God? ordained to save some and ordained not to save some. Isn't that unfair? And he says, it's none of your business. That's vernacular. How are you to reply to God? How dare you question what God does? He doesn't explain the question. He stated the fact. And those who reject this doctrine and think God is wrong to condemn some to death don't understand grace. The elect of God get what he doesn't deserve. You got what you didn't deserve. You didn't deserve grace. And God says, here. God is generous. When he saves someone who does not deserve it. The reprobate gets what he deserves. How could people find any error in God? The reprobate is getting exactly what he deserves. Justice. So we may never accuse God of sin. Now knowing this we come to our. um, Let me make one more point though. Those who reject the doctrine of reprobation love injustice. As they're demanding that God is bound to give a gift to undeserving people. That's injustice. You can't demand that somebody give something to other people that they have as their own to force them that's communism. I mean, we immediately say that's injustice. You can't force someone to do so. But more, all the more, when you understand how much we deserve to be judged by God, is that you appreciate when you have been chosen by him, given a new heart, a new record, and a new life. So should you panic? Again, this one is wrong. Let me read. Uh, is long. Let me read this for us. Article 16, Responses to the Teaching of Reprobation. Listen to these words of comfort now. Those who do not yet actively experience within themselves a living faith in Christ or an assured confidence of heart, peace of conscience, a zeal for childlike obedience, and a glorying in God through Christ, but who nevertheless use the means of grace by which God has promised to work these things in us, such people ought not to be alarmed at the mention of reprobation, nor to count themselves among the reprobate. Rather, they ought to continue diligently in the use of the means to desire fervently a time of more abundant grace, 
and to wait for it in reverence and humility. That's the first one. These are the three things that he talks about. This one is dealing with the believer, that when you have that struggle. Second, on the other hand, those who seriously desire to turn to God, that means these people are not believers yet, to be pleasing to God alone and to be delivered from the body of death, but are not yet able to make such progress along the way of godliness and the faith as they would like. Such people ought much less to stand in the fear of the teaching concerning reprobation. Since our merciful God has promised not to snuff out a smoldering wick and that a bruised reed will not be broken. That's the second one, the non-believer. And then third, however, those who have forgotten God and their Savior Jesus Christ and have abandoned themselves wholly to the cares of the world and the pleasures of the flesh, such people have every reason to stand in fear of this teaching as long as they do not seriously turn to God. Now let me explain those three things. For a believer, suppose a believer, and that will cover every one of us, doesn't have 100% assurance, full confidence that he is a Christian. Should he give up hope? that he might not be elect and say, look at the thoughts that went into my head. Look at what I did. Look at how I ruined my life. Look at how I destroyed my family. Look, look, look. Should I be worried? Should I give up? Should I think God passed over me? The answer is not at all. Instead, continue learning the Bible, putting the effort to understand who God is and how you can be reconciled to him. Continue to worship God and listen to sound preaching. Keep studying the word of God. You see, assurance may be a long time in coming, but it will come as the Holy Spirit works through the word of God. This is how you cultivate your faith. And the more you cultivate your faith, the stronger it will be. And that's what you do with your plants. One of these days we'll be able to plant again. But, and you know you've got to take care of those plants. You have to water them. You have to give them the nutrients they need so that they will grow and produce. And so you must do when you have doubts whether you are a child of God. Philippians 1, 6 says together, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being No. Being confident. Now the second group are those who are the serious Christian. Should you feel that you are not elected because you don't feel like uh, you are a Christian now? And then you say, I sin against God. I don't always speak the truth. I'm tempted to lust. I dishonor the Sabbath day. I don't worship regularly as I ought to. Should, should I worry and say, well, look, I'm not elect, just give it up. Uh, I don't like what I'm doing in my life. The answer is not at all. Don't fear. Why? Because God does not snuff out the smoldering wick. In other words, there might be a, just a little bit of warmth there. And the Lord will keep adding the warmth so that fire can get started again. Don't stop. Keep coming to church. Keep reading the word of God. Keep praying. God is merciful. 
You know, even many Christians feel like this sometimes. And if you're a Christian and you know someone who is that smoldering wick, encourage them, pray for them, teach them, so they don't give up hope. And say, I've been doing this a long time, it doesn't seem to work. You you know, for most people, salvation is a long process of time. Don't give up. And then the third group of people he talks about here are the backsliders. The ones who were walking with the Lord, but they fell into sin. Suppose someone does that. Suppose you do that. Should you be afraid? Yes. You should be afraid. You should be afraid of damnation in hell. And you need to come back to God. You need to ask him to forgive you. Bring you back in that right path. Because if you live that way, you might have been a member of the church. You might have been baptized. doesn't mean anything before God. Is your heart right with him? Article 18, another long one. Follow along uh, while I read through this. And you know, we jump from 16 to 18 for the third point to be together. The proper attitude towards election and reprobation, and it says this. To those who complain about this grace of an undeserved election and about the severity of a just reprobation, we reply with the words of the apostle. That's what we read from Romans 9. Who are you? Who indeed are you, a a human being, to argue with God and with the words of our Savior? He said, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? We, however, were with reverent adoration of such secret things, meaning we don't know why God did what he did, cry out to the apostle, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. This is the end of Romans chapter 11. After describing the wonderful salvation that man has, even though he was so sinful, he says, we don't understand why God did what he did. But we're thankful that he did. And we will grab hold of what he has offered to us. And that's the last point in this second point. Everyone who believes in God with reverence then praises God for how he graciously saves his elect people. That's what's got to mark you. Praise of God. When you understand that God simply, if he left you alone, you were 100% going to hell and realize how much work he had to do to bring you to himself you will say, oh, how wonderful are the ways of God. How unsearchable his judgments. And you'll be singing those songs of praise. You'll be learning them. You'll be teaching them to your children. You'll be picking up new ones because you want to sing the widest praise of God. That's the response you ought to have. Not panic, but praise. And then the final one. How about young children who die? 
Article 17, Salvation of the Infants of Believers. And this is short. Let's read this one together. Let's begin. Since we must make judgments about God's will from the word, which testifies that the children of believers are holy, not by nature, but by virtue of the gracious covenant in which they together with their parents are included, godly parents ought not to doubt the election and salvation of their children whom God calls out of this life in infancy. So, dealt with this separately for this reason. Because this is a question that often comes up. How about young children who die? Well, while Christians are called to bear fruits of their election, children do not and cannot bear fruits like a child who dies in infancy. I had this discussion this past week with Elder Doug, who lost a a grandbaby this past week. When the the canons were written, uh, that's the alarm. That's to go to church in PEI to make sure I get there in time. (laughs) I I talked with him about this this past week and... um, because they're, they're mourning. They saw this little child, sweet little baby, dying in, his, in her mother's arms, waiting for, waiting for a surgery. And he sort of wondered, what happened to this child? Can you argue that since infants and children have not produced fruits of election, that they are therefore in going to hell? And by the way, this can, the canons were written at the time when there was an extremely high mortality rate. A lot of children died in infancy. So this was a real important thing for them to deal with. Christians do not and must not worry about the salvation of their children who die in infancy. Let me state that clearly. Christians do not and must not worry about their children Uh, the salvation of the children who die in infancy. Christians claim the promises of God that he would save you and your household. By the way, Christians don't claim that their children are innocent. Little baby Jameson that we hope to see soon, not innocent. Armenians say that we say children are innocent, but we don't say that. We know they're not innocent. We know they're guilty. They inherited sins from Adam and they add to sins as soon as they're able to sin. Children begin to sin. Rather, children of believers who die in infancy are saved because God counts the sins upon Jesus on account of their parents' faith. And what an amazing comfort this must be for people, especially those who have lost children in infancy. Or maybe you suffered a miscarriage how difficult that could have been for you. Remember, children were condemned without their parents' approval. Uh, sorry, without their, uh, condemned in their parents without their approval. Because of the covenant relationship, why couldn't God save them? On account of their parents' faith. If they could be condemned for their parents' sin, they could be saved by the parents' faith. 
absolutely that is the truth of Scripture. Remember Acts chapter 2, verse 39, for the promise is to you and to your children. You see, God views your children differently from the way he views children of non-believers. Your children are considered clean. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, we read together, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they are holy. That's the promise of Jesus. Don't worry about those children. But consider how some of our Armenian brothers, Pentecostals, many Baptists, how they argue against the fact that God saves covenant children who die in infancy through faith, through the faith of their parents. Some of them say that God uh, made man with free will and that man of his own must choose, forgetting that man's will has been corrupted and they can never choose what is right. But then they said, since a baby cannot choose, a baby cannot be saved, and they treat children as pagans. Some others argue it a little bit differently. They combat the error with that error with creating a new way to be saved. They argue you can't be saved because they don't, you don't have faith. A child can't be saved because a child doesn't have faith. So then they say, well, God will save all children because all children are innocent. And what they do then is deny the scriptures, the clear teaching of scriptures, that those children are rotten scoundrels. They're sinful from the time they were in their mother's belly. That's why David says, in sin did my mother conceive me. Rotten from the core. Romans 3, verse 10 and 11, together. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. So when the Armenians say, they make up the new way for children to be saved because they don't want to argue that all children go to hell because of the doctrine that they developed then they have to come up with a new way. That's how I was trained, that children, if you're under 12 and you died, you became an angel right away. That's just nonsense. First of all, we won't become angels. We're different from angels. James, sorry, John 14, 6, Jesus uh, together. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So how can they be saved? Through Christ. Faith in Christ. Can they have faith? No. But because of the covenant relationship, their parents have faith. That's the only way to be saved. Those who come up with this thing of children being innocent are denying total depravity. If no one is righteous, and since men can only be saved through Jesus Christ, then God graciously counts the child's sin upon Christ through the faith of the parents. Let's conclude. God justly passed over some, and they're called reprobated ones, and reserved them for justice because of their inherited sins and their actual sins. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, don't fear the doctrine of reprobation. If you are a believer, 
but have doubts about your election, make use of the Bible and the Spirit of God. Let them work in you to reassure you that you are his in spite of your sins. Your election, your assurance of your election will become stronger and stronger. And when you think of reprobation and realize God could have justly passed over you, but he didn't, but saved you through Jesus Christ, let the praises of God flow from your lips. Yes, this doctrine leads to praise. Not to frustration or panic or anger, but to praise. And let that praise be seen in your life. And third, don't assume a bad person is reprobated. You know, you see someone, you share the gospel with them, and they're not making any headway. And you want to pull your hair out, you want to pull their hair out because they're not listening and it's obvious they need to be saved. You want to do that? Don't, don't do that. Continue to proclaim the gospel to him. You don't know the heart. In fact, you were probably more wretched than they were before you became a Christian. But God saved you anyway. Now, it may take a long time, but for most people, salvation is a long process of time. One plants, one waters, one must dig around the roots before it starts to grow and produce fruits. It's a long process of time. Don't get tired ever. Don't ever stop evangelizing anyone. As long as they will listen, you keep speaking. Don't make a decision who's reprobated or not. That's not your decision. Don't act like God. Finally, if you're seeking God, Maybe you're beginning to realize you are a sinner and you need a savior. But don't worry about whether you're elect or not. Do what God expects his children to do. Attend worship, read his word, ask questions, pray. Pray to him, pray for help. Ask him to show himself to you through his word. Ask him to give you faith to receive what he's done. In due time, the Lord will save you and give you the assurance that you are his. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us in Jesus Christ. Lord, if we really understood the end of those who don't know Jesus, if we really understood that, Lord, we will be praising you day and night. More than that, we will live for you. When we're frustrated and tired, we will not stop because we know we are praising the one who gave his life for us. Lord, let this message sink in. But also give us the warning not to declare some to be reprobated. For while the doctrine is true, it's not the essence of the gospel. But it's for us to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ till the day we die. And let the word, let the seed be planted and in due season that you will cause it to grow and bear fruit. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.